Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Psych Ward Podcast. We have been delayed for about a month because I was working on an album, but I'm back to bring you the socially awkward word. <laughs> anyway, today's guest is a friend that I went to high school with. She now lives abroad in Japan, and her name is Bethany Chiba. Bethany, introduce yourself. Hello, um, my name is Bethany, but I usually go by Beth, and yeah, I live in Japan, but I was originally living in Mississippi as well, and yeah, I went to high school with you at Lake Cormorant, of all places. Yep, in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> yeah, literally. Cottonfield, too. <laughs> Cottonfield was the worst part, because they'd all, like, some of those, some of the white guys at school would dead-ass make the joke and just be like, ain't about time to get to work, and I'm just like, how racist do you gotta be? Uh, yeah, I understand. I played soccer on the field, so that is true. <laughs> literally all that went over went right into the cotton field, and there was word said to sending them to go get it. Bruh. Okay, so uh, yeah, like I said, Bethany lives abroad in Japan, and there's multiple issues that not only come from when you live in a different sector of the world. But there's a lot of different viewpoints, and I'm gonna let Bethany take the wheels today because she's gonna be explaining something that we talked about a little bit, but I'm going to let her go into depth on it. So, so, yeah, so I guess that, you know, living abroad, you, you know, you will experience different people and they have different reasons for coming abroad, whether that be schooling, whether that be just for the experience, job related, um, in our case being American, but we don't have this option, but the rest of the world, they have working holiday visas, um, whether you're married to a person from that country, you know, there's lots of different people here yeah. and multicultural, you, but, right. It's multicultural. And, you know, with that, you know, it's always nice to meet people, you know, people like you who are here living in someone else's country. Yeah. But with that, sometimes, you know, there's different, you know, the foreign, I would, I'm going to use the word foreigners because that's what I am. Okay. I'm a foreign person living in Japan. You find that foreigners here um, have different, like every foreigner will have a different agenda and they will also have a different viewpoint on the government and social issues in that country. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm going to touch on today. And I guess, like, I get really irritated by some of the different viewpoints when you live in another person's country and um, social issues with that and voicing that. Yeah. So that's what I'm covering today. So, um, and you're more than well to, like, do it with me because, I mean, I, you know, we talked about it a little bit and I'm sure you have a lot of questions too. Yeah. When you say, uh, I guess it's foreigners coming over, so is it more like, is this a problem that you're having with, like, Americans as in foreigners or just people visiting Japan in general? I find that it's people that actually live here because you find that the people that visit Japan, they think it's like this God-sent country. And, yeah. I mean, when you visit, it is really amazing. I mean, when you visit Japan, you get... I mean, I don't, I didn't feel any negative thoughts about Japan when I first visited. And I think a lot of people really, I think Japan is a good country to vacation and visit. And you are going to think it's amazing. 
But when you start living here, things tend to change. And I mean, that's for any place that you visit. I mean, it could, it could, you know, be the same for New York or it could be the same for Toronto. You know, you go to these cities and they're new and they're exciting. But once you start living there, you can start seeing, you know, different issues, whether that be good or bad. Yeah. And today I'm talking about predominantly white foreigners. So they could be, I mean, I know a lot of people from Canada here. I know a lot of people from England, from America, from all of these Western um, countries. And so that's where I'm focusing on today. Okay. I can't really speak upon for the Asian community that lives here as foreigners, um, like the Korean people or um, the Thai foreigners or the Vietnamese foreigners, because there's a lot of those here too. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to be speaking mainly on the Western um, female and male uh, living in Japan and living abroad because I'm sure this happens in other countries too. <laughs> yeah. Probably subject to nuance. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I guess what, I, what I'm trying to divulge is, so I think we, we talked about it earlier. You said it's kind of like, even though obviously it's, it's kind of like that brand of what, how did you put it? It was like that brand of white privilege. Yeah, it's, like a white privilege i don't know if it's a white privilege card as it is a mindset okay because there is a difference you can pull the card and use it as an advantage but that's not that's not what they do here they just come in with it with the white privilege mindset of what they are used to being able to do uh, in their countries okay and that's what i'm talking about i think because they can't really pull it here like they can in their home countries. They just come here with that same mentality. A friend of mine that um like he stayed there. He stayed in Japan. I can't I think it, it may have been Okinawa, but he was there for I think it was at least over a year and his parents visited and I didn't know this, but he told me that there were like just like subtly formal rules like they don't eat on the train. I don't know how true that is, but no, that is very true. There are very there are all those rules that are not really spoken of. Yeah. But that's because Japan is a culture that focuses on the group. Mm-hmm. They are very much about your appearance and and what everyone else is doing. Then you might as well follow. So when it comes to the train, you know, people don't talk on the train. Oh. Uh, people don't eat on the train. Um, you might can talk like in a very low voice with a friend that you're sitting next to, but there's not going to be big open conversations. So, um, you don't need to train. It's the same with the small rules too, like elevator, not elevators, escalators. One side you stand on and then the other side you walk up. And you have to make sure you're not standing in the person's, you have to, like, for example, it, it differs by cities, but most cities you stand on the left side. But if you're in a hurry and you want to run up the escalator, you do that on the right side okay. and you don't mix that up. So it's like these social things like that. But that's what a lot of people love about Japan is these silent rules that are very convenient in a sense. Because, you know, when you get off work for a long day, do you want to get on a subway or train and there's a bunch of people yelling and screaming and drunk and this and that? Yeah, It happens sometimes, but most of the time it doesn't happen because if you do do that, you're going to be stared at and you're going to feel that social pressure of the group. It is a group society. <laughs> so with like so he's very 
true. <laughs> with like the friend that I was like uh, explaining, he said that like when his parents came over there, that he was just getting accustomed to the rules, such as like the subway behavior. But he says that his while his father was there, he literally just cracked open a bag of chips on the subway, and he's just sitting there like, "Dad, you can't do that here." And he's like, "I'm just eating a bag of chips." So is that is, yeah. is that kind of like is that because I'm trying to understand fully like what you mean when we're talking about like this like foreign privilege? No, we're not talking about that. That's just that's just mistakes that foreigners make. We're tiling those mistakes because I made those myself coming here, and you know I guess I should have said this in my introduction, but I'm here because my husband's Japanese, mm-hmm. and when I first came here, I made a lot of those mistakes, and my husband had to be like, "Hey, you shouldn't do that," you know, and you learn those over time. And I mean, I had my parents come here and. My parents, they had big voices on the train, and I literally just felt my soul melt out of my body because <laughs> everybody was looking at me. But those are simple mistakes, you know what I mean? You go to different places in the world, and you simply learn from those, you know? There's still some foreigners that come here, and they don't really understand the concept of taking their shoes off. You know, and those are simple mistakes. That, yes, I mean, you could have looked up a little bit before you came, but really going to be like really upset at you you know you might get stared at but that's just you know but they're not going to get like Japanese people don't like conflict they're not going to be like hey you shouldn't eat on the train Ah. you know if anything probably going to give you more grace because you were a foreigner okay so so those are simple mistakes what I'm getting more into today is (laughs) right what I'm getting more into today is when you take government and big social issues and you are trying to come here and play superhero and change those to better benefit yourself as a white foreigner. Mm. And also, I'm also talking about the problems too where these, you know, these foreigners, take myself an example. We all know the issues that America has when it comes to police brutality and when it comes to minorities really having the short end That is said very lightly, but the short end of the stick. I mean, they go through a lot of struggles. But you take that and you come here and you go, oh, now I'm a minority. Oh, Oh, no, police are being mean to me. So, everyone, I want you guys to know that Japanese police are horrible to me now. So, now I can talk about those kind of things and I can feel sympathy for people in the U.S. And you're like, what? What? You're fucking right. What the fuck? That's no, literally virtue that, signaling. Dude, they don't even have guns here. Like, they don't even have guns here. Police are probably the nicest people in Japan. Sometimes they might cop attitude, but that's the job of a police in a sense. You know is what I mean? True? Is it true that but, all of your police are like, I think it, like they're like martial arts certified? Yes, they are very trained in more of self-defense um than they are like force yeah. in any sort i, I heard it was um, like the only purple belt judo kind of a nightstick, but they're a bit different than u.s nightsticks yeah. and i have not seen one policeman in japan out of my five years here use a nightstick and i've seen drunk people scream and yell and spit in a cop's face and they cannot touch them yeah. in japan Japanese police cannot touch you if you spit in their face. They can only touch you if you lay a finger on them. That's like, obviously very different. You spit in an American very face. I mean, you can cuss at a cop all day long. You can tell him he is the scum of the earth, and he'll just say, okay, 
I understand, but here's our issue. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they don't, they, there's no such charge as what do we call that in the U.S.? I'd be, you know, I forget. Um, verbal assault. Verbal assault or uh, a verbal abuse to a police officer Def- or some shit def- like that. I think it, it can also be taken as a defamation of character. Yeah, like that shit does not exist here. Like, I mean, I have seen Japanese people go more in on police <laughs> than um, anybody. And it's because Japanese people know the law and they know what they can and can't do. You know, so they'll cuss them out up and down. Um, you know, and police police are probably, I'm not going to say police are nice and they don't have that same mindset of like, you know, uh, U.S. police where, oh, I'm an authoritative figure. Because, yeah. yeah, you do meet some of those. And I think that's going to be anywhere in the world when it comes to police because that's kind of, you know, that's not part of being a police. It shouldn't be a reason. But when, when you're human and you go, oh, I'm an authoritative figure, that's you're going to get a little high yeah, depending the, on the person. It's part of the enforcement of law. Exactly. But... You know, when I hear these people state these things about police and what they have supposedly done to them because they are white female, I know they lying. You know what I mean? Like, I know you lying. Or like where they sit there and they're like, for example, right now what's pissed me off is, you know, everyone knows that Japan is hosting the Olympics and it's not a normal Olympics this year. You know, there's a lot of craziness going on because, you know, we're still in a state of emergency and, you know, we have some foreigners coming. Of course, you know, the athletes, um, the media, people from the Olympic Committee and, uh, you know, all these. There will be a ton of foreigners here. Yeah. But now all these white foreigners are like, oh, no, that means police are just going to randomly stop us and harass us. So everybody, please make sure you have your IDs because when you're a foreigner, you have something called a Zayu card. And it's what it is, is it's your green card. It's your ID saying, I have the right to live here legally. Mm -hmm. And it's an ID card. But they're like, oh, we have to carry those around because if we don't, they're going to harass us. Wait, what'd you call the card? It's called a Zayu card. Okay. Yeah. Zayu card. And this is kind of like you could call it a green card, but any but I'm not sure. I've never even really seen an actual green card in the US. But this one is more of a ID. So for example, right, it has my picture. Um, it states what kind of visa I'm on. So my visa is a spousal visa because I'm married to a Japanese citizen. It states my birthday. It states my nationality. It states my address. It states where I live in Japan. Those basic things that any ID would. But this ID is special because it tells Japanese, the Japanese government and Japanese authority that you are here legally. And it does have an expiration date on it, so they know if it's expired or not, you know? When you bring, it's the same. When you bring up, like, ex- first time pronouncing it, but I'm guessing you said Zayu? It's Zayu card. So I'm saying it, am I, like, enunciating the I with it? It sounds like Z-A-I, Zayu. Okay, okay, Zayu. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So when I hear about like when you tell me about the Zayu card, it kind of like that is that's basically formal identification. 
because they're right, gonna they're right. gonna ask you for that in America, especially like I know plenty of people that are AS4 yeah. in the American aspect. They say they've been asked for like their identification several times. Yeah, and that is normal in anywhere in the world. Yeah. But the problem that I'm having is that these people are now going, oh, oh no, I have to pre- pre- present this, and now I might be subject to harassment, and I'm like. Okay, I've never been harassed here, but this sounds like you guys are playing off of social issues that happen overseas, and now you're trying to say it can happen to me too. Yeah, because what you that makes sense. Like, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen here. It might, but in my experience, and just in overall news, because I mean, if it was an issue here, it'd be on the news. Yeah. Do we have some really bad issues when it comes to certain foreigners? Yes, we do. Are they white? No, the fuck they're not. Cause what I'm what what I hear when you say it is it's kind of like those people that are in America, and they're the ones that are like they they might enter like a non-white space, and they're yeah. saying, "Oh, this is reverse. Now, this I, is like reverse racism, but it's more along the lines of like." it's not reverse racism. You're living in the rules of a different culture that you are not the dominant factor of. Right. And then also it's kind of like that. It's reverse racism, but it's not with the racism. It's reverse social issues that now I can go, Oh, I'm a minority. So now I can sympathize with actual minorities. And it's like, you are white. You're not a minority anywhere in the world. You might, you might be a minority in that country. Mm-hmm. But you are not a social minority whatsoever. Like, whatsoever. I fully understand I mean, that. I mean, yes, I'm a minority in Japan. You're right. I'm outnumbered by Japanese people. Outnumbered by the amount of Asian foreigners here. But is that a social minority to me? Fuck no. I have gotten a lot of privilege being white in Japan. Just in the sense of, oh, wow, you're so gorgeous because you have white skin. Ah. Or, oh, wow, you know what? We only hire white native speaking teachers. Ah. Um, unlike my Filipino counterpart who it can also speak English fluently. Or unlike your South African uh, counterpart that might not be white of German descent from South Africa. Ah. And they go, oh, yeah, so... You know, you're not a fucking social minority whatsoever if you are white and you're in Japan. I can't speak for countries. Today we're talking about Japan, okay? You can't come here and play that, oh, I'm in danger because I'm a white foreigner or I'm a foreigner in general, you know? You can't play off of that. You are not in social issue minority problems when you come to another country and you are white yeah you cannot act like you can now suddenly sympathize with people that really have social injustice issues being minorities in america or being minorities in canada or being minorities in these western countries where it actually really does affect them yeah it does but now it's it's part of your life and your youtube and you can get on there and you can rant and other people kind of accept it. That's the point. That's the thing that pisses me off is that people get on their social media and they talk about this as a white person living abroad 
and try to play into that social issue minority shit. But see, the general public that watches this on YouTube or watches this on TikTok and Instagram, they kind of like blindly accept it because they go, oh, because they're living in Japan. Ah. You know what I mean? They kind of go, oh, well, that might happen because, I mean, she is living in a different country where she is a minority by number. So she might have minority by social issues. Yeah. But in reality, they're thinking just because they're reversing the situation. Like, just because they're reversing the situation, they think that the same rules of, like, minority and discrimination are going to apply to another country. Yes. I Yes. And let me give you some actual examples. I'm not going to say these people's, you know, ta- their social media tags. Okay. I'm going to talk about them very blindly. I'll All change right. their name. I don't fucking care. <laughs> but I just want you to give, I want to give some really good examples of what I mean. So, um, when I first moved here, and even to this day, I don't have a lot of friends. And a lot of that is just because mm, I don't really have a lot of time for friends because I work a lot. And then, you know, I am a wife here, and I do try to, you know, eventually start a family with my husband here. Yeah. And my husband is my best friend. I really, you know, like, if I want to go out, I go out with my husband. And I know that sounds lame to some people, but, like, my husband's funny as fuck. But that's besides the point. (laughs) I have met, tried to meet friends, and I have met a few that, you know, were decent, and, you know, I gave them chances, and one of them, we're just going to call her M, Um, she and I really hit it off because she was super outgoing, and she was unapologetically herself Mm -hmm. in Japan, and I am unfortunately not, I tend to... um, it's not that I change myself living here, but when I go out, I tend to try to be more quiet. I tend to try to kind of like blend in. And that's just a social pressure for me because I don't like people staring at me. You know, that's just that's just my social anxiety anyway. But yeah, that's she totally was understandable. I'm American and I'm happy and I'm living here. So I'm going to be myself and like admirable because I have not been able to do that in my five years being here. So I really liked it, and she had a lot of similarities with me when it came to, like, past and stuff like that. So I was really happy to be friends with her. And almost a month into our friendship, I started seeing that she was kind of acting like that. But I was like, oh, you know, she's from California. You know, I was like, maybe she's really, like, outgoing about social issues. And, you know, like, we're from, you know, the South, where a lot of people don't just talk about it every day. But, you know, people from California, like, they talk about it way more than we do. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, because it's not. It's a good thing. But I kind of was just confused about, like, where she was getting at with it here. You know, because I was like, is she comparing issues from the U.S. to here? (laughs) Because that doesn't really make a lot of sense Um, in her case. I mean, it would if you were Sri Lankan. You know, if you're from Sri Lanka and you're a foreigner, it would make a lot of sense here. Because, yeah, Japanese people aren't the nicest to some, like, you know, South Asian foreigners. But you're a white woman from California. So that's where I was like, "Mm, oh, yeah, I understand. Well, I started being friends with her and it lasted for a couple years. I'd say about two years. Okay. And it ended actually last year because I finally had enough of the blatant lies and the blatant shit that she would say. 
Um, there was an instance where she said that, um, and let me give you background. She was married to a Japanese person as well, but he was a pilot. So he was gone all the time, ah. like all the time flying. And this was before Corona hit. So he was really gone all the time. Yeah. So she was living alone. And apparently one night somebody knocked on her window and tried to get in. And that freaked her out. So she called the police as any woman would if mm -hmm. they lived alone. Obviously. But this really bad is she said that the police barged in her house looked around her stuff blamed her because she was sleeping or hanging out with her um curtains and windows open and made her sit what we call saza saza sitting saza is like sitting properly that's kind of like what you see in those old timey movies or, you know, we still sit Saza here in certain issues. That's where you sit on your knees. Like your oh, yeah. knees, you, palms on your knees. Right. And you, yeah, you have your palms on your knees. You sit very properly. Your back is pretty straight. Yeah. She said that they like made her sit Saza in her own house. And I promise you, they did not make her do shit. Like that is a blatant lie. And the fact that she has to use that as an as a excuse or, like, some horrible injustice is so weird. Because, naturally, if a police is in your house, you might naturally sit like that in a, in a situation in Japan. I mean, when I teach kids, I sit like that. It's a natural stance here. Okay. But they didn't make her sit like that. That's a fact. Then they said that they were, like, demanding her ID and blaming her for the situation. And I promise you, I was not there. But her story changed three different times and I have all those receipts of the three different times it changed ah. in my messages. And I finally, what ended it all last year towards the end of 2020 is when I called her out and told her that she's blatantly lying. And I found it funny that she uses her white privilege to take a hold of situations like that. And that was not, that, that was one of a thousand of her instances. And how does she I guess feel that, about that? And I told her, I said, I guess I'm just lucky because those type of things never happened to me. And she said, well, I guess you're just um, trying to be too Japanese. And I was like, no, I'm just, you know, unapologetically white and know that I have privilege here. So with with that statement you just said, she's like, I guess you're just trying to be too Japanese. That right there, like, you're both white women from America. I highly doubt that the... Japanese citizens can tell the difference between you being from a southern area and her being from California. And I'm pretty sure that any Japanese person looks at me like they're not going to think I'm trying to be Japanese because even if I try social issues, you are still a foreigner. They're never exactly. going to look at you like, you know what I mean? But I mean, you know, it was the point of like, I come here and I do try to blend in because I feel like, I feel like my morals, if you visit another country, you should be educated at least a little bit. And maybe at first, not so much, but if you're here as long as I am for five years, yeah. you should know your do's and don'ts. Yeah. You're supposed and to. I think that, right. I think that you, you know, if you've decided to live in another country, you should definitely adapt to a certain point. Yeah. Don't you gotta learn their ways and traditions because you're going to be there. Right. Don't change yourself, but you definitely need to change some of your your habits or your, you know, your public habits, um, things like this that, you know, better benefit that culture that you're living in. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't see you a lot when I go home, and that's just because I'm balls to the wall when I go home. But, I mean, all my friends know that I am still Bethany Nicole before my name changed Campbell when I come home. Yeah. You know, 
Like, that's just how it is. But if I'm here, yeah, if my friends came here, I'd probably be a little different if we weren't in my house. But that just comes with living abroad for so long. But it's the it's the instances of, you know, you lying about police being mean to you or harassing you. You lie about Japanese people doing mean things. Um, like, we went out, the same girl, M, M and I went out, we went out to eat. And it's like, I'm sitting there enjoying my meal. We both got our meal. And she would be like, did you see how that waiter looked at me? I feel like he was just um, being rude. And I was like, uh... what the fuck is she talking about? What? He hates our food. He didn't even have a, what? Like, and she didn't even speak Japanese. So, like, I was the one, you know, ordering for us and doing the things. Uh, so, I was like, she didn't even, like, know, like, his tone of voice was totally normal. What, what, what is she talking about? Like, it's like those things. Like, they just automatically go, oh, I'm in the minority. People are looking at me ugly. It's kind of like, remember I told you earlier, like, they kind of act like Karen's here. Yeah. Um, like, they still come here and be like, oh, well... They didn't say it the way that I wanted them to. Or if they might say it a little differently, they go, oh, now is my chance. They're being racist to me. Ha ha ha. I can say it now. <laughs> See, like, that's how they act. I know like, it sounds like crazy. No, no, no. no that's it, how they it, fucking act. it doesn't sound crazy because, like, even on the flip side, because obviously you're, you're from America and you're from the South. So, like, you know just as well as I do that, like, when it comes to, like, the cultures in America, they're like, yeah, we all exist in the culture of America, but a lot of the different races here have almost entirely, like, separate ways of how they go throughout their culture, especially when it comes to acting in the house. But yes. what you just said right there, it kind of instantly, like, because I've heard this before, but in black environments with white people, because they'll just be like, well, she didn't have to be so rude to me, and I'm just like, she wasn't being rude to you. That's just what we do. All she, yes. She, she, yes. Didn't, she didn't let you stand on the sidelines. She walked up to you, introduced herself to you. She may have been a little... Because, like, that, that's what I find coming from white people when it comes to, like, being in black environments. They always say that, like, sometimes they're addressed, like, rudely or they're addressed as, like, oh, you're not... You, you shouldn't be around here, so this person's giving me a tough time. But I think... And this relates back to what you said about the uh, like the Karen aspect. I think that for a lot of like white foreigners, especially from America, is that when they do go overseas, they're so used to seeing how in America it affects minorities, even if they choose to be blind to it. They feel that when they go somewhere else, that it's going to happen to them because they're accepting that for, for, for them to even say for like for her to even say some shit like oh, they're being mean against me when she doesn't even understand not only the culture, but also the language that they are speaking is is literally the equivalent of like, I don't know what's going on, so I'm just going to choose being afraid, being offended, being attacked. They're, they, they're clearly targeting me. Well, yeah, but I, I totally agree. And I think that that's the exact issue. And the the thing is, is they finally go... Yes, they, they, exactly what you say, but here they go, hmm, 
I feel like here when they're overseas and they're not in America, like, mm-hmm. for example, when white people do or, you know, a white girl goes to meet a black family or a white male goes to meet a Mexican family, you know, you have those awkward situations where they just feel like they're out to get them, as we say in the South. <laughs> yeah. That's what they do. They they think that they're out to get them, but they finally go, oh, but now I really am a minority. So it's kind of more head high. Yeah. Because, like, in those instances, they 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 have subjected themselves to go in those situations, but they can leave those situations. That is very And then true. they can themselves somewhere else. But here, they can't really leave, so they really go, oh, I am a minority. And they get really, really high-headed. They get real, real high-headed about it. And then they want to finally just get on social media and make a platform off the fact that they are a foreigner abroad. And here's my everyday struggles. Or here's the things that I really... Um, encounter and it's like you what (laughs) like I'm so glad that like I mean I've had a couple instances where you know things were unfair but I don't think that it was because of a um I'm a foreigner or you know I'm being mistreated I think it was literally just a difference in personality you know what I mean because I mean anywhere you go you know you're not going to get along with everybody those instances here I mean but I I can't, I'm not going to say that it hasn't happened 100%, but I can't imagine policemen being, you know, forceful or horrible to these white f- girls that are complaining about, Because, and I keep saying white girls because that's what I see the most. So, excuse me if I'm being broad. It's just, I mean, that's what I see the most. They love to, to get on social media and cry about it, man. To, it's so insane. Be- to be 100% honest to you, you kind of made the point a little earlier in the conversation and you said that, yeah, you might be a minority here by numbers, but socially in the world, you're you like, that's the thing. You're not outnumbered. You are not. <laughs> like white, and, white people and, are kind of like the, it, and, and that's saying it broad because I know some people are going to hear like me say white people are the top of the power structure and they're just going to be like, well, I'm not. What I'm not some top of the power. I'm not talking. I'm speak. I'm speaking generally here for the sake of the conversation for anybody who's going to be listening. General, this is a broad subject. Yeah. Um, when it comes to whatever person we are talking about or group of people. Yeah. I think that's a disclaimer that everybody should really understand. Yeah. And I think if they don't understand that, then they shouldn't watch this anyway. You'd be surprised, especially when it comes to the internet. It's not really about people being like, oh, they clearly told me that this was like a spoiler that they might have inflagratory language. People just want to watch stuff and react to it. And that's part of it. But That's actually part of uh, probably what you're saying, how they they flock to social media and then they gain people also looking at it. And you know what? I'm about to, look, I'm about to pull up some of these things and let me read them to you. (laughs) Word for word, because I can't, I, I mean, maybe I'm just really not understanding the logic. And maybe that's, that's where, you know, I'm not understanding them. Well, let, let's um, see. Let's break it down. So anyways, um, one of the last messages I sent to her when everything blew up is, you know, I said, I get annoyed. I'm not, no, I said, get annoyed. I told her to get annoyed. I am not. 
I'm not so upset. It's just my issue. I just don't want you always talking as if Japanese people are out to get you. Mm. And she literally said, I'm literally feeling sick trying to have a conversation with you because they actually are. Mm. Um, what? <laughs> so they have admitted that they feel how I am portraying them. So I just want everyone to know, like, they really feel as if Japanese people, because we're talking about Japan, are out to get them as they are a white foreigner. Hmm. So I really have to let that be heard. Like, I'm a, like, look, if I'm oh, being honest, oh, uh, wait, you finish. Oh, here's the reason. This was the last point that, you know, me and M got in a huge fight. Um, not a fight, but when I totally was like, okay, I'm done. I'm tired of you lying. Okay. So this was the final straw. I had to remember because there were so many. Um, but the final straw was, um, Davey, have you ever heard about embassies overseas? Yeah. You know what embassies are like overseas? Um, I could Particularly probably get close. You... I could probably get close, but I'm going to let you educate me. Okay, so U.S. embassies, the ones that I've been to, of course, which are in Japan, okay. but I mean, they're they're always heavily guarded mm-hmm. because it's a U.S. embassy. It has um, U.S. Uh, um, documents of U.S. citizens, so they're going to be very guarded. Um, they have, you know, when special people from America come abroad, um, you know, they might be meeting at U.S. embassies. So if, like, the president ever came, like, there would be instances where he might be, you know, going to an embassy for a meeting or, you know, things like that. Like, they are very heavily guarded. Yeah. Um, and they're guarded with um, whatever country you are in. So in my stance, they are guarded by Japanese guards and Japanese um, police officers. And in most cases, embassies are guarded within a mile radius. Oh. So um, heavily guarded is what you're saying. I, yeah, heavily guarded. Here, I don't know if it's exactly a mile, um, but in some places, yeah, they're guarded about a mile radius. But here, they're guarded very, very far from the actual embassy. Like, they start up, like, checkpoints, like, where they'll just be guards standing, and they'll be like, oh, are you going to the U.S. Embassy today? Okay, well, you know, do you have this, this, this? Okay, we'll go ahead and go through, you know, and they'll, like, let you through that point. Yeah. But, like, if you're not going to the embassy, you can't go through that point, but you're not even near the embassy, you know what I mean? They yeah. have, like, checkpoints that are, you know, meters away from the embassy. Okay. And also, at embassies, that's where a lot of people can protest. So you'll have a lot of protest at embassies. And, I mean, it doesn't – it could be any embassy. It could be the Russian embassy – it could be the Korean embassy. It could be any embassy that, you know, is associated with another country. And there might be issues going on with that country, um, whether that be government related or people related. So they'll protest. So, for yeah. example, during the Black Lives Matter movement, a lot of people did protest outside the U.S. embassy. And, you know, they allow protests, but they they don't allow them too close to the embassy because that is that is a really sensitive place. Um. But, you know, most people in Japan, they're not even going to try to record, take photos, or protest near an embassy. Um, Another reason, too, is with those um, embassies, you can't openly record. Oh, okay. Okay. I was about to ask you You to explain that, but you are. You can't record or take photos. And the reason being for that, I'm not too sure. 
but I'm sure that it has to deal with security measures yeah. because even when I go into the embassy, I have to turn off my Bluetooth and silence my phone. And I think it has to do with maybe some of the security systems that they got there. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think, you know, and also when it comes to video and pictures, um, you know, an embassy is a place where, you know, a lot of big things can happen mm-hmm. and, um, the same as if you go into an immigration building in the u.s which i've been maybe you haven't but it's a government building yeah. and i feel like you go to the drivers um what's that called where you get your driver's license what do we call that D- D- I, uh, dmv i don't think you can openly take photos in the dmv i mean i know that in mississippi they probably don't care but i think that's any government affiliated building um you might want to fact check me but you know i believe so if um if there was a reason, like, especially with the embassy, I'd see it as one, like, if you look at a, some overseas situations, especially like the Middle East, a lot of the time embassies can get attacked. So I feel like not taking yeah, pictures is, it's, it's got to be a security measure. Because, like, if, if you yeah. took a picture in front of the embassy and let's say there was something that somebody could divulge from that picture, they're going to be like, okay, there's less guard station at this point. Right. Or they can even like take pictures of the embassy and see certain points of, you know, being getting in. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like it could be a security system and security issue. And, um, you know, a lot of people think embassies are just to get a passport or go to, you know, go to, you know, update your stuff. But I mean, they 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 represent way more than just that um, when you're overseas. OK, official, um, if wait, official or, official fact check. It says. Non-persons have no privacy rights in America as long as you are taking the photograph from public property. This is an issue. As far as specific legislation is concerned, embassies, consulates, etc., it is well illegal to photograph, and you would probably have to ask for permission ahead of time. There you go. So it's it's consulates and embassies only as government buildings that you cannot film and or take photos in. And, yeah, I think it's a security issue for them. I mean, even when I go... You know, they tell me to either turn off your phone, silence it, and you have to turn off all of your Bluetooth settings, too. So I think it's a like an actual physical security. Like, don't take any photos or videos because then people that might want to attack the embassy can see what it's like inside Mm. or on the outside. And maybe security systems within the embassy as well with the Bluetooth being taken off, too. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, But anyways, she... (laughs) She had went to the U.S. Embassy for some reason or another, um, not my business, and this is what she said in an actual message. Oh, Lord. Um, anyways, I told her, no, I went to the U.S. Embassy, and I said, yeah, I had to go to the U.S. Embassy today. She said, fuck, how was it? I said, I've never had any issues, LOL, because I knew she was about to get into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I already knew. She said, that's good. Yeah, me either, except for the Japanese guards on the street that followed me to the station and made me erase a video of a protest in front of the embassy. I said, LOL, yeah, that sucks, but there are signs everywhere around that protests are not to happen exactly in front of the embassy and you are not to video or take photos of the embassy itself. Well, I didn't film the building. I filmed the people down the street. I even showed them that. I said, yeah, those signs are meters and meters away that you can't film because those are still, that's still part of the embassy grounds yeah. and there are guards there. So you, you should know. She said, never mind. Oof. I said, it starts from afar and it, they do so. And so do the guards. 
I'm just saying, sometimes it's not as bad as you think. She said, what do you mean? I don't even know what you're talking about. I said, LOL, it's okay. And then it became a big issue. So she even is saying that, like, she is being a t- being followed and harassed and they made her erase a video of a protest at the U.S. Embassy. And the protest she's regarding is that sometimes, yes, you have um, the Japanese Yakuza and they love to protest at U.S. Embassies or Russian Embassies because they're still pro the Empire, pro the Emperor. So they Wait. go there and you yeah. Whoa, so whoa, she whoa. was. Hold on. I'm yeah. Gonna di- dial it back That's like two happened. notches. You said the Yakuza protest? Yeah. Yeah, they protest. I mean, it's never ugly. It's um a lot of times they just go out there and they have these big vans that they scream, you know, not scream, but they have kind of like the microphones attached to the vans and they just kind of protest the fact that, you know, Japan's still for the emperor and we're still for the empire. And so like they do those to Russia and U.S. embassies, but they're not like at the building doing it and they're not being ugly like a lot of times they just they just scream their opinions through a microphone but a lot of foreigners think that it's hilarious and so they want to video them but like if they're near the they're not in front of the embassy but if they're in the meters that they can protest you can't you still cannot video because that's still within meters of the embassy i'm so i'm just sitting here bewildered i'm just like wow the yakuza Process? Yeah, they they still they still exist it, here. It, I know they exist, but like I guess it makes sense because they're a lot more formal than most other like criminal organizations. It's more than just Very, like an organization at some points. Um, I think that they are kind of more. A lot of people want to say gang, but they're not really like how we picture a gang. They're more like a mafia, because oh no, the most definitely. Very very tied into Japanese government and money. Yeah. Like, some of their top members are, you know, city city and prefectural, you know, chairmen. Ah. Uh, big business chairmen, too. I mean, that, um, make, that I, makes perfect I'm sense, because the Yakuza is a big... Nice city officials are somewhat affiliated to Yakuza one way or another. I mean, I believe... Well, they that. have to do it at least, so... So, okay. Uh, I'll let you finish your story. It's those things, or, you know... Like, they just feel like they are just so harassed. Hmm. And they're not. Yeah. And it's police. It could be Japanese people. I've seen people be like, oh, you know, um, this person just literally is just so rude to me. And it's probably because they were doing something they shouldn't. And they probably just were like, hey, you shouldn't talk so loud. You know what I mean? Or like, hey, you, you know... Japanese people don't like conflict. So if they ever do, like, say something to you, they're definitely not going to say it ugly. I mean, if it's an old person, maybe. But, I mean, imagine a very nice old person anywhere in the world. (laughs) I mean, imagine an 80-year-old grandpa nicely asking you to do something anywhere in the world. Nah. Nah, it's not going to (laughs) happen. Like, it's not going to happen. So, okay. Um, Slight slight subject change. We did We did talk about the Olympics. So, with, like, how does, how exactly, like, how do, what's the, like, cultural consensus on the Olympics? Is is it, like, something of, like, great importance? To the Japanese? Yes. So... 
at the at this point in the beginning it was because this would have been like that big host that they do um the first thing that they've kind of done big since the great tohoku earthquake which was the earthquake in fukushima and yeah. 2011 um sorry it's been so long but yeah in 2011 they had that horrible disaster of an earthquake and there was also a nuclear meltdown yep um and there was a lot of people that perished and a lot of people to this day have still not been found okay. um so you know that was very devastating for japan and Japan has a not, I wouldn't say that they're patriotic, because, I mean, if anything, the Japanese people that I've met, the newer age Japanese people, like our generation, and even, like, you know, our generation's parents, you know, age, so yeah. 40s, 50s, not very patriotic. And I think that that stems from a lot of uh, the government changes that happened after World War II. That makes sense. Um, but they're they're not patriotic, but they are very proud when Japan does something good. Um, and Olympics was that thing that they were like, yes, you know, this is that big thing that we can really invite people over. And this is the big thing for our country since the great Tohoku earthquake, yeah. you know. And they, they had a lot of pride in that in the beginning. But when Corona happened... You know, and they were postponed from 2020 to 2021. A lot of that changed with the people. A lot of people were, yeah, maybe still hold the Olympics without spectators. And now it's changed to, well, most of the general public doesn't want the Olympics to happen because we're only like nine to twelve percent vaccinated as a country. Oh, Just super low considering the rest of the. I mean, I'm not gonna say rest of the world. That is low compared to the Western side of the world, Europe and North America. Because the majority of Americans are vaccinated at this point. Some of the Middle Eastern countries, like look at Israel. Yeah. You know, so that is very low. Um, and Japan has had a horrible response to vaccine rollout because the government placed a lot of importance and a lot of money and time on the Olympics and they didn't really secure vaccines. They didn't really approve any vaccines. Oh. And that kind of really put us behind and vaccinated. But it's like, shouldn't you have done it opposite? Shouldn't you have prioritized vaccinations? That way, when the Olympics did come, majority of your society would be vaccinated. And what's really sad is that Japan has one of the largest elderly population. Like, the population is mostly elderly yep. in the world. And they did not prioritize vaccinations for the elderly community. And they're the ones that are suffering the most. And so that's pretty sad. Like, you want your elderly to be vaccinated for sure. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the general public got really upset. And I think the last, like, statistics that I saw, it was like 95% of them didn't want any spectators for the Olympics. And about 81% of them didn't want the Olympics to happen at all. Ooh. Um, but the government completely doesn't care because they spent so much money in the Olympics. And um, I think there was a lot of money passed back and forth through the Olympic uh, the Olympic. Um, what is that called? The Olympic Association, you know, the yeah. top people, the Olympic community, not community, committee. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of money passed back and forth. And so, yeah, they went ahead and held it, even though last year Corona was like two months in and they're like, no, we're going to postpone it. But this year, now that it's like really bad and like we're not vaccinated and, 
you know, you have all these foreigners from all over the world, whether it be media, you're talking, like, people think, like, it's just the athletes coming. Nope. But, like, you have to imagine, like, the Olympics, they have all of their media people come. Yep. They have all of the coaches. They can still, you know, have their family, a cap, I think, this year, but have some of their family members come because that makes some of the 5,000 spectators that was approved. I think of as of today, it was 5,000. Um, because it was a 10,000 cap on spectators, but then it went to 5,000 and, you know, you're thinking like, that's not a lot of people, but that's just the spectators. Yeah, that's, that's not, not all the people to be there. And then also the Olympic committee said that they advised the, um, athletes to be vaccinated, but they were not going to make them be vaccinated. And that is crazy because do you think they're going to wear masks? When they do these sporting events, not at all. And, you know, Japan's already in their fifth wave. Fifth. Damn. Yeah, I said that right. The fifth wave. A lot of people literally just don't pay attention. But the corona vaccine, I mean, the corona response here is horrible. And, you know, it's it's a different kind of horrible than it was in the U.S., but it's still really bad. Yeah. Um. You know, and the Olympics, I mean, what's crazy, too, is we saw, I mean, here recently, I don't know if you've noticed, but the, um, the, what is that, the Euro, the soccer tournaments that happened in Europe, and they approved people to watch them, it's already caused another huge wave. Like, Scotland's prime minister tested positive, and a ton of people in Scotland got it, all from the soccer tournaments held in Europe. I actually did not know that. I'm writing that down. Yeah. So, like, you guys have these big sporting events and people are still, like, having clusters of positive corona tests, vaccinated or not, you know, it's still not everyone is vaccinated. And you guys are literally setting up the Olympics right now. Like, it starts this month. And we've already had some people, um, I want to say it was Uganda's team that came from Africa. One or two of them tested positive and then, like, they had to quarantine the whole team you know, in a rush to have them out of quarantine before the Olympics begin. And I want to say it was their track team. I want to say it was Uganda. Um, And then there's been several other cases of, you know, teams coming in and testing positive. And um, also Japanese Olympic staff, you know, they have a lot of volunteers and staff that have already tested positive. Like, I'm telling you, mark my words, it is July 8th of 2021 when this Olympic starts it's going to be horrible and it's going to cause japan a lot of issues and then also we have our summer vacation that starts at the end of july and goes to about mid-august and that means everybody is going to be traveling and going on vacation while the olympics is happening while there's a ton of people moving around and about japan and it's going to get bad yeah that just sounds like a recipe for disaster <laughs> And yeah, and see, that's that's another thing too with these little white privileged people is they're going, oh, all these foreigners are coming here, so they're really gonna be trying to get me now. They're really gonna hate us now. What? <laughs> yes, does, they have been eating that shit. How does one make two? Man, like they, how how they put one and one together and get four? They just literally say. Wow, there's lots of foreigners, so now Japanese people are really going to be watching us. So you better be careful, 
you better start carrying your ID. And I'm like, why wouldn't you carry your ID in the first place? Japanese police don't have guns. Why are you acting like they're going to murder you? Why are you acting like you're, you know, really going through social injustice when really, you know, you're just a foreigner living in another country that, yeah, sometimes you're going to get stopped and asked some questions, but you're not mistreated. Kinda you are a foreigner. sounds like guilt. Oh, it's guilt. It's for sure guilt. It's them literally being aware of there are people literally struggling with social injustice and them going, wow, that really happens. I feel so bad. But I live in a different country and I'm kind of a minority. So I'm going to be on my toes watching out for it happening to me. Wow. And that's the truth. Okay. Wow. I'm not going to act like personally as a personal rule you you should always tell yourself that you should stay alert and aware but blaming blaming it on that is kind of the cop out oh yeah because it's like okay so are you not aware and like paying attention to your surroundings most of the time are you only doing this now because you think that japanese people are out to get you mm-hmm. and that kind of sounds why- like that sounds like the privilege thing to me hates me and it's like I think that like I'm getting over the point is because I'm following some of these accounts and I have to see them bitch every day and it's like I I just don't experience the same thing as them is it just me like to is be it fair, just me to be fair we I, never we never truly I guess know no other people's realities are but there is usually a general consensus like if something bad were happening like in that degree there would be some more there'd be like a bigger blow up over it oh there'd be news there'd be bigger blow-ups and let me tell you there look there if it was a white foreigner and they were being mistreated you motherfucking bet that that would be all over the news of their home country because let me tell you a little secret there was something that happened terrible to a foreigner that was living in Japan here recently. Um, she was a Sri Lankan. I'm not sure if I can even pronounce this right, but she was from Sri Lanka. So okay. she was Sri Lankan. Maybe that's how I would pronounce it. Um, she was a foreigner and she was uh, living here and she was actually studying. Uh, I want to say she was studying at the time. And so she had a a student visa and there were some money issues and some other things that happened and it kept her from renewing her visa. Um, When she didn't renew her visa, of course, that that puts her in a position of, you know, if she does get ID'd or if she does get caught and her visa is expired and it hasn't been renewed for student visa, then, you know, she might be, you know, held in, you know, um, immigration I don't know the word I'm trying to Would say, you say, but processing. Like processing, yeah. She might be held in processing until they can figure out if they are going to deport her or if she's gonna have some certain asylum. Um, because I it's like I know the details, but I don't wanna like not say them correctly. So let yeah. me just pull up her name too. Okay. Um but she ended up dying in Japanese custody. Um, during her, when she what, yeah, um, when she was being held here, um, 
And that is that is the issues that need to be talked about, right? Yeah. Um, that is the stuff that is really bad. And again, as I said before, a lot of those kind of really bad in social justice issues when it comes to foreigners in Japan, they're not white people. They are usually from, um, you know, South Asia. Um, they can also be Koreans a lot of time, but that's a lot of more war issues than it is, um, you know, uh, they have issues, you yeah, know, everyone more, knows. Korea, yeah, it's Japan like have a, it. It's like a ger- it's generational like, grudge. Yeah, that's a generational thing, but it's still it's social injustice. So um, I don't want to butcher her name, but okay. I think her name was Wishma. W-I-S-H-M-A. Wishma was her first name. And then I'm not going to try and murder her last name. It was S-A-N-D-A-M-A-L-I. Sandamari, maybe? But her first name was Wishma. She was 33, and she was detained in um, Nagoya Immigration Services back in 2020. And it's because she, yeah, she was studying here, but I want to say that she had some money issues and she maybe lost her financial issues and lost her tuition. Um, There were some money issues with her and her family that kept her from continuing her studies here. I'm definitely seeing, like, looking it up, like, countless articles, New York Times, like, actual Japanese news networks as well. So She died in custody, but the reason that it it progressed was because she kept telling them that she felt ill. Like, I don't feel well. But in Japan... If sometimes you are sick or there's some physical things that are wrong with you, they can kind of release you temporarily. Like you can go and get medical leave and you can kind of just live normally until you're better. And then you can kind of like deal with your immigration stuff on the side. Like they're not going to like, you know, have you being held in a stance. Yeah. And she kept complaining of feeling ill, but the Japanese you know, police or immigration officers thought she was kind of like lying or exaggerating so she could get release. And turns out she wasn't. And they found her dead one day from her. And a lot, there's been a lot of speculation too about like the doctor knew she was sick when that, like he checked on her, but like the guards kind of was like, Oh, you have to downplay it. Like she can't get released. Like you have to downplay it. So there's a lot of dirty, that might have happened but see this case wasn't talked about back in 2020 this was just now recently being big news at the beginning of this year because a lot of people were like um hello how did this happen to somebody that was being held and especially a foreign this isn't even japanese citizen you guys literally treated somebody else's like sir lonkin citizen so horribly and she died being held and she wasn't a criminal she didn't do anything illegal she just had some money issues and she couldn't 
you know, financially stay in school. And I think that, you know, she didn't notice that her student visa might have expired. I'm not sure of all the details, but she wasn't a horrible, you know, she wasn't a criminal. She wasn't doing anything like necessarily illegal, you know? That is, and that's truly terrible. Truly terrible. But it's things like this that, you know, are horrible and when people now it's being spoken about but it wasn't spoken about when it happened nobody knew this happened in 2020 but like you but like if this happened look let me tell you if this happened to an american citizen if this happened to an english citizen from britain a british citizen if this happened to any western white male or female this would have been blown way out of proportion and you you know that japan would have probably probably like really like took responsibility japan is not trying to take responsibility of this yeah i've seen like they are oh yes they are really going um yeah i don't know what happened but i don't think anything illegal i mean we, we didn't do anything wrong she died but like if this was a western person they would probably take responsibility real quick real fast and in a hurry because japan does like their relations with the western world yeah. I favor them. They have nothing to gain by losing relations with Sri Lanka. And that's just the sad part of it. And I'm going to go ahead and say, too, as much as I do like my life in Japan, I love my Japanese family. Um, Japan as a whole, yeah, they're the white coloners of Asia. And most people know that. And they act like it sometimes when it comes to minorities in Asia. See, they I- can care less. I've been told that specifically because if like speaking back, especially like how you said the Yakuza still supports the empire. It's I've been told that it's that line. It's those people that that line of thinking from when Japan was actually like tearing apart most of like, damn it. Oh, they tore and killed and murdered genocide Asia. That I mean, everyone knows that. Um, One important thing. One important they thing. They still have that mindset. I saw uh, this just th- this popped up because I have my phone set to like alert me for certain things. So apparently, the Olympics have banned spectators after Tokyo declares a COVID nineteen emergency. Oh, then that is new, new. Because it says foreign spectators already excluded from the delayed games. Organizers meet Thursday evening to talk. They're going to talk about domestic spectators. There's virus restrictions and public sentiment is going to affect the final decision. And the last quote is from the prime minister saying Tokyo mustn't mustn't be a springboard for the new COVID wave. It was 22 minutes ago. Olympics to be held without spectators in Tokyo. So here I'm seeing that it's Tokyo and it's um, surrounding prefectures. So that's probably going to be Tokyo, Chiba, Saitama and Kanagawa are going to have no spectators. But um, if it's other prefectures, it's going to be based on those prefectures' decision. Okay. But most of the Olympics will be here in Tokyo anyway. But that's still just because we 20- were we were talking about the general subject of it. Yeah. So just to get a, a article that's hot t- immediately talking about it. Yeah, I have it here on the Kildo News. Yeah. Huh. Twenty two. Yeah, so they literally just made that because I mean it's Thursday night here, and most of the time they make those decisions later at night. Uh, unlike the U.S., we tend to make those at like five o'clock. <laughs> what's What's even more like 
because just like how you were talking to me about like after the earthquake, they're specifically mentioning that in this article because it says once seen as a chance for Japan to stand large on the global scale once again after a devastating earthquake a decade ago. The showpiece event was delayed by the pandemic last year and has been hit by massive budget overruns. Yeah, I told you, like, they, they're not patriotic after the war. I mean, a lot of older people still are. Um, I had a big shock when I first met my husband's grandparents. And bless their heart, they're, you know, they're nice people. But a lot of that is just cultural of older people that there was a big picture of the older emperor in their house. Oh. Um, it's Well, it's still common, too, that a lot of older people still have that, you know... Yeah, that I don't know if I would say faith or belief in the emperor. Um, but they, you know, they have pictures of them in their house. But it was yeah. like, and it was like the first thing I see, you know. Um, and I was like, well then, <laughs> oh. well, well, oh, <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, it's not like for me. I have a little bit of grace for them because because let me tell you why grace for the government in japan when it comes to what they did to asia what they did to south asia what they did to korea what they did during world war ii when it comes to the genocide issues um i don't have grace for the empire but I have grace for the japanese people because a lot of people don't understand that those people were literally i don't want to say brainwashed but they were conditioned to believe that the emperor was doing a good thing they didn't know all the details either. I mean, if you really think that wives knew all the details to what their husbands, brothers, sons were doing in the military, that is very wrong because they literally had no idea. Yep. And they weren't allowed to speak about certain things that they did through letters. I mean, even when a Japanese person was, um, you know, told he, you know, sh- are you going to volunteer to be a kamikaze? Because they asked them, but of course in Japan, it's the group. No one's going to say no. Yeah. Um, they weren't even allowed to tell their family members until literally their last letter that they sent out while they were literally flying the airplane That's... and or already had perished. They probably received the letter after. That's always and how I... it goes because I've heard... They... Not, not... You know, gave the letter to them once their mission was accomplished. They got the letter then. Yeah. I've so, heard, uh, <laughs> just looking through random threads and everything not to cut you off but i've heard the same thing coming from people that lived in germany and it's that like while directly none of them like they might not have known that what was going on at the concentration camps it is it is literally confirmed amongst most of the german public like they knew they saw all of their jewish neighbors just disappear just just germany's agenda and germany's people agenda was totally different than japan's let me tell you something People love to compare Germany and Japan, but Germany, a lot of those people, they would back what Hitler said publicly. They knew. The emperor did not speak publicly about those things. Japanese people did, there were certain prefectures. When I say prefectures, they're states. They don't call them states in Japan, they call them uh, prefectures. But so it literally okay, just means. A prefecture is like a state, okay. Right. So there were certain prefectures in Japan that did not know the war ended till years later because the emperor literally publicly announced it in certain prefectures, like Wait, in even, Tokyo. You know even I mean? after the bombs? Even after, oh, even after the bombs. Like, had no idea. Wow. Like, literally, we are still, we are still going. We are, we're going to win it. You know? Woo! 
And they had no idea that the war had ended because the emperor had so much pride in the fact that he had to, you know, um, for what, what, do we, what do we call that? Surrender. Sorry, I forget English sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, he was so pride bent on him surrendering after the second bomb. And even after a while after the second bomb, I mean, I feel like it was a couple of days after yeah. that he surrendered. He didn't want to admit it to his people that he had surrendered because what a lot of people don't understand is um, the emperor and the, the, the emperor now and then all of his bloodline, the emperor's bloodline, they believe that, I mean, j normal Japanese people, like maybe nowadays they don't, but <laughs> older Japanese people definitely do. Older generations believe that they are they are descendants of the sun god. So, so in their eyes, the emperor's bloodline is bloodline of a of a god. Is the god Susano? Um, I want. I'm not really sure the name because again, I don't really focus so much on that because I mean a lot of, but it's the sun god. So I mean, I would have to say it would probably no. It, it's a Metarasu. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not sure about all of the gods because there's so many in Japan. Like, okay. there's a god for rice. There's yeah. a god for everything. Because yeah, that, that, that's the celestial sun goddess from whom the Japanese imperial family claims descent. There you go. So, a lot of people don't know that. Like, it's not that like the emperor just. You know, a lot of people, it's not that they were like backing this public speaker, you know, or this, yeah. you know, this not like president. America. Yeah. Or like Germany where, you know, Hitler was a person, yeah. you know, Hitler was somebody that was going to save Germany and be for the German people and everything oh, that wow. he said, the German people really bought it. In Japan, it was more of, this is a descendant of a God. This is yeah. a bloodline. Japanese bloodline for the emperor is the longest bloodline, royal bloodline in the world. In the world, and it has been the same line for thousands of years. It's the same people. <laughs> so, like, they really, you know, older generations really believe that. So it is very hard for them to, you know, think that he's doing something bad. And the emperor's not going to let them know of his, you know, bad doings. Yeah, and he's oh, definitely oh not going to let his people know that. <laughs> Somebody that was a descendant of a god forfeited. Yeah, gods don't. Quit. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, that's what I mean. So there was people that <laughs> had no idea that the world, world. I mean, the the war had ended years later. That was a very common thing for the following years that's after the war. Well, so you know, I don't blame Japanese people when it comes to those issues um, about, especially Japan's history of being like that. Uh, excuse me, Japan wanting to be like a white colonizer and literally just wrecking havoc on South Asia and the Philippines yeah. and Korea and all the horrible genocide that they did. Yeah. It was horrible. But I don't blame the general public in Japan because a lot of them don't even know a lot of details. Like, I feel like my husband doesn't know a lot of those details. I don't think that they teach them in school. And so That's how can I blame somebody or cancel somebody when they don't know those. Yeah. Now, do some Japanese people have certain beliefs about, you know, certain races? Yeah, but I mean, so does every country. And when you have a chance, do you educate them? Yeah, sure. But, you know, I'm not I'm not coming on here to say Japan is perfect. I'm not coming on here to say that, you know, there isn't a mistreat mistreatment of foreigners. 
but I can promise you there is not a huge mistreatment of white foreigners in Japan because as everybody knows, if there was, it would be in the media, it'd be plastered, and you know that there would be home country articles and media talking about it. You okay. know it. You you know it, you know? So yeah. that's my that's my that's my thing here is that it's gross. I mean, I I can't stand seeing people crying over here. To show my ID? Uh, yeah. Why are you up? Why are you, that? What? Well, of course. As always, Bethany, this has been a really good conversation. It's getting. It's about to be nine o'clock over here, and I actually have to go to work. Oh, you're good. <laughs> I'm. I am down now that I have Discord. This makes it so much easier. And so. yeah, we should talk more about different subjects and it's perfect timing for me too because okay. I got to get off here and start dinner because my husband will be home in about an hour. At midnight, my husband, my husband gets home from work at midnight every day. Jesus. Well, yeah, welcome to Japan. Best wishes to you, everybody. This was Bethany. I've been trying to get a recorded conversation with her a lot because I go through it because... I get I'm I'm literally what most some some people in America would make fun of and call me a weeb, but a lot of people, especially like anime lovers in America, they look they just like you said, they look at Japan as like, oh, it's 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 golden. There's nothing wrong there. There's nothing going on. This is it's the place to be, it's the best place, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't necessarily they're looking on the outside in. They're the type of people that would watch these people that you're talking about ranting on like tiktok or facebook and just be like oh wow so they do do they do treat foreigners bad i don't want to go there anymore yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and there's a lot of things that you know people just don't know about japan when they come for a vacation or they go to akihabara and buy their little figurines you know <laughs> and japan is good but as everywhere there it's not always rainbows and butterflies and there's a lot of things that should and should be brought to light, uh, whether it be foreigners in Japan or the Japanese people and government um, and society in general. So I like doing that. <laughs> yep. And all right, with that, everybody, we're going to cut the episode. You're going to obviously hear it on Anchor, Spotify, any of your favorite streaming services. And once again, Bethany, thank you for coming on. Anything you want to say before you go? No, I just hope that everybody, you know, takes a chance to educate themselves on, you know, different countries, social issues, and not always romanticize a country. That's my ending ending statement. Don't romanticize countries. <laughs> All right. And we are...